Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 37 is entitled, What is Equality? Part 1. First, let me pose a question. Have you considered how obvious inequality can be reconciled with the self-evident truth that all men are created equal by God? Everything we see around us suggests inequality. How can man be free and equal at the same time? Fundamentally, that is why socialists and communists oppose a belief in God or freedom. Belief in God undermines socialism, and God-given equality undermines communism. It is one thing to be created equal by God. It is another thing to be created equal by man or government. God-created equality is absolute and cannot be taken from us. However, how we use that equality is up to us. All inequality is man-made. The only reason communism exists is because men are unequal in wealth, and government promises to make everyone equal, thus removing the burden of self-reliance. That is the goal of the liberal socialists of the Democratic Party. Man-made equality because it is quantitative, based on wealth, will always lead to totalitarianism and loss of free will, freedom, and agency. It is in concomitant variation. The greater power government has, the less freedom you have. Or to put it another way, as government increases in power, you decrease in freedom. We must distinguish between freedom and liberty. They are not the same thing. To be definitive, I would have to write a book, so I can only give the short version. Government is in charge of your liberty. You are in charge of your freedom. However, freedom must work within the parameters of government control liberty. Liberty is based on man-made laws. Freedom is based on individual potential driven by desire. It may seem paradoxical, but government can increase your liberty while taking away your freedom. Let me provide a few peculiar examples consequences of the democratic platform, all of which I never thought I would see in America. 1. Providing safe injection sites for drug addicts. 2. Open borders. 3. Defunding police. 4. Making a law saying stealing $1,000 is a misdemeanor. 5. Sanctuary cities. 6. Releasing criminals without bail. 7. Releasing criminals without prosecution. Eight releasing criminals from prison in violation of court-appointed sentences. Do I even need to point out the obvious of how that decreases freedom? Do you feel safer? Would you carry $1,000 on big city streets? How many chain stores have had to close their doors because of unprosecuted theft? How many small businesses cannot afford to remain open? Store owners cannot even call the police, for there are not enough policemen to go around. Police don't bother with rapes or robbery. Understaffed, their response time is slow and unreliable. They don't even bother with crimes under $1,000 per individual. 
meaning a mob can bankrupt you in one evening and go unprosecuted as long as they individually stay under $1,000. This all occurred because of the policies of the Democratic Party in trying to create equality. God, who created all men and women equally, protects our free will and agency. What then do we mean when we say that all men are created equal by God? Talents differ, but equality is not measured by talents. There are many ways God created us equal, but let me give you eight things to consider. First, we lived with God before coming to this earth. We are all children of God, equal in His sight. Second, we know how old our physical bodies are, but we do not know how old our spirit bodies are. The spirit, not the brain, is the seat of our intelligence. Free will resides in the spirit, not in the physical body. How long did we live with our Father in heaven, and what did we do with our time? We have been in the process of becoming even before time. We came to earth with our own personalities. Every mother knows that. Third, all laws of God are applied equally to all his children. Fourth, we live in a fallen world and are subject to the laws of this world. This world is not equal. This world is not fair. Fifth, our spirits are immortal, and though a veil hath been drawn over our minds when we came to this earth, that veil will be lifted when we return to God's presence. Then and only then will we see as we really are, immortal beings with immortal potential. The differences on this earth will not matter much when we return to our familiar immortal environment. Sixth, the reason we came to this earth is to experience opposition, the natural man versus the spiritual man. Only in opposition can we fully experience free will, freedom, and agency. We will not be judged by earthly accomplishments. We will be judged by moral integrity, by how well we obeyed the laws of God, and in that, because of the grace of Christ, we are all equal. Seventh, earth is a probationary state where how well we endure the journey is everything. Earthly accomplishments such as fame, wealth, and skills have their value if they are obtained within the moral boundaries set by God, but they have no bargaining power at the judgment bar. Only that which is spiritual matters. We are judged by our works, whether good or evil not whether they are financially profitable or unprofitable. God is a just and merciful judge, and that makes us all equal. Finally, being equal does not mean that we are all alike. God allows us to choose to become what we desire to become, with that is inherent temporal and spiritual inequality. He will never take free will and agency away. If we lose them, it is because we gave them away. No government that pretends to protect freedom should try to create equality. God qualifies equality. Government quantifies equality and measures it by income. It can only translate into socialism, communism, and totalitarianism, thus taking away all our liberties. If man is left to his own devices, some will prosper and some won't. The right to fail is as important to our growth as the right to succeed. Any government that guarantees prosperity must do it at the expense of liberty. 
self-reliance is the key to a democratic republic. President Obama, speaking for the Democratic Party, takes the opposite view. In his commencement speech at Ohio State, he said, To repair the middle class, to give more families a fair stake, to reject a country in which only a lucky few prosper, because that is antithetical to our ideals and our democracy. It is dangerous for a free government to repair the middle class. A free market allows the middle class to emerge by its own volition. There will, by necessity, be a variation in income. Redistribution of wealth is a form of communism, not democracy. Since when did becoming wealthy become antithetical to our ideals and our democracy? Democracy should allow those who, within the boundaries of law, seek wealth, and democracy should allow them to keep their wealth. If they choose to be generous, that is good. If they choose to be ungenerous, what is that to us? We have no right to steal their wealth, no matter how poor we are. And a democratic republic has no right to redistribute their wealth as bribes to gain the votes of the poor. Redistribution of wealth is government-approved theft, and those who use the wealth of the rich to bribe the poor are enemies of democracy. Individuality, free enterprise, self-reliance, and American ingenuity built this nation. Mr. Obama calls it luck. The left resents the wealth of the rich and holds them responsible for creating the poor. But that is merely a strategy to gain power. Self-reliance would destroy the power of the left. Who could they bribe? Those who are against self-reliance are against democracy, against freedom, against agency, and against free will. Government equality does not come by raising the standards. Government equality comes by lowering the standards and raising the welfare and forcing the self-reliant to share with the non-self-reliant. Socialism and communism depend upon redistribution of wealth. President Obama has become one of the leading spokesmen of the liberal Democrats. Therefore, I use excerpts from some of his major speeches to demonstrate how the left has become an enemy to democracy, an enemy to freedom, and an enemy to self-reliance. Consider the words of Obama to be the words of the Democratic Party. At a conference in Loyola University in Chicago on October the 19th, 1998, Obama, then Illinois State Senator, said, What this means, then, is that we try to resuscitate this notion that we're all in this together. Leave nobody behind. We do have to be innovative in thinking what are the delivery systems that are actually effective and meet people where they live. I think the trick is figuring out how do we structure government systems that pool resources and hence facilitate some redistribution. Because I actually believe in redistribution, at least at a certain level, to make sure that everybody gets a fair shot. This from the future President of the United States. Five primary propositions in the above brief quote should have been sufficient warning that Mr. Obama, even from the onset, wanted to remake America into a socialist state. The five propositions are, one, we try to resuscitate this notion that we are all in this together. Two, leave nobody behind. Three, the trick is figuring out how do we structure government systems that pool resources. Four, facilitate some redistribution because I actually believe in redistribution. Five, 
make sure that everybody's got a shot. Do you understand what he meant when he said, resuscitate the notion that we are still in this together? Leave nobody behind? Restructure government? Redistribute wealth? Give everybody a shot? Is that the role of a democratic republic? No, that is the role of Marxism. That is the language of socialism and communism. He wants to bring it back from the dead, meaning that he wants to end, as he says later, the worn-out dogmas of the past. In other words, free enterprise, self-reliance, and independence. He wants enforced equality, guaranteed security, and certain entitlements regardless of individual failures. He wants to remove uncertainty, to remove risk, and to remove personal responsibility. He is appealing to fear of failure. Mr. Obama never moves away from that philosophy. If you didn't cringe at the phrase, leave nobody behind, you didn't understand it. Through government aid, Obama wants to make everyone financially equal. When he became president of the United States, Obama continued that philosophy. Obamacare was his greatest achievement in leading our nation into socialism. Let me refer you to a speech he made as president at the University of North Carolina. I don't want this to be a country where a shrinking number of Americans are doing really, really well, but a growing number of people are just struggling to get by. That's not my idea of America. I don't want that future for you. I don't want that future for my daughters. I want this forever to be a country where everybody gets a fair shot and everybody is doing their fair share and everybody is playing by the same set of rules. Obama's language is the language of the Communist Manifesto. Section 1 entitled Bourgeoisie and Proletarians of the Communist Manifesto states, The history of all hitherto existing societies is the history of class struggles. Freeman and slave, patrician and plebeian, lord and serf, guildmaster and journeyman, in a word, oppressor and oppressed, stood in constant opposition to one another, carried on an uninterrupted, now hid, now open fight, a fight that each time ended either in a revolutionary reconstitution of society at large or in the common ruin of the contending classes. In Marxist terms, the proletariat refers to the disadvantaged class. That is the group referred to by Mr. Obama when he said, a growing number of people are just struggling to get by. The left brilliantly exploits all minority groups by telling them they are victims of white supremacy, and the left is actively engaged in turning classes against each other in America. The white supremacists represent the bourgeoisie class. The bourgeoisie class is the middle class dominated by the whites who have, in their minds, successfully exploited the free market system at the expense of the poor. The bourgeoisie refers to the shrinking number of Americans who are doing really, really well. The following quote comes from the Encyclopedia Britannica, the article written by Alan Ryan. In Marxist theory, the bourgeoisie plays a heroic role by revolutionizing the industry and modernizing society. However, it also seeks to monopolize the benefits of this modernization by exploiting the propertyless proletariat, and thereby creating revolutionary tensions. Just as the rhetoric of the Communist Party was to inflame the proletarians and demonize the bourgeoisie, so is the rhetoric of the liberal left in America. 
the left is dominated by Marxist theory and Machiavellian tactics. It is a deadly strategy. When Mr. Obama said, to repair the middle class, you give more families a fair shake, to reject a country in which only a lucky few prosper, because that's antithetical to our ideals and our democracy. He is preaching pure Marxism. Mr. Obama's statement at Loyola University when he was a state senator, I actually believe in redistribution to make sure everybody's got a shot, means to take from the rich and give to the poor. To lower one economic group and raise another is true Marxism. He really does not want a middle class based on a free market system. He wants a middle class created and sustained by the government. That is how he wants to repair the middle class. We cannot assume that the term equality, as understood by our forefathers and written in our Declaration of Independence, means the same thing to modern liberal Democrats. To our forefathers, it was a self-evident truth that God created equality. To the modern left, it is a self-evident truth that government should create equality. As President Obama said, it may be self-evident, but it is not self-executed, meaning government can do it better. The first led to our democratic republic. The second will lead to Marxism and totalitarianism. We are no longer voting between Democrats and Republicans. Those parties exist in name only. Their actions demonstrate very little difference between the two. Regardless of the color of their politics, whether red or blue, we are voting between republicanism and Marxism, between capitalism and socialism, and between freedom and slavery. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.